So in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, turn to chapter 40, uh, was it 43? If you don't have a Bible, um, it should be on the screen. Um, we're reading from the Englard, English Standard Version. <clears throat> I want to read um, two lengthy passages of Scripture tonight and, um, and a couple of real short Scriptures The last message that we um, talked about at camp was um, was from this passage. Yeah, the old things have passed away, and the new things have come. Yeah, we talked about God doing a brand new thing. Amen. So, in the beginning of this new year, I want to talk about new things that God has for us. Okay. So Isaiah forty-three, um, starting at verse eighteen. So this is the, uh, Isaiah, he's the prophet. Uh, currently, the context is that the nation of Israel is um, far from the Lord, and they're, they're not really a nation. They're kind of a nation within a nation, um, but wasn't really a nation. Um, and Isaiah's coming and giving a word to God's people, um, and it's pretty awesome, okay? So he comes to them, and Isaiah says, uh, verse 18, Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. And it says, do you not perceive it? Yeah, another way of saying that is, can you not see it? Can you not see the good thing that God is doing, the new thing that God is doing? Isaiah continues, he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, which is like a new thing. Amen? Amen. That's a new thing, a river in the desert. There's this, um, you guys watch that blue planet? You know, it's like the National Geographic of the nature kind of thing. Uh, there's this one desert, um, I think it's in like the Sahara parts, where it's like always dry, it's ridiculously hot, there's like no life there, no water, nothing. But every, uh, like, like once a year or every five years or something like that, there's like this mist not even rain, like just this mist that comes from uh, the mountains that comes down towards this desert plain. And then literally weeks after the mist comes, it's fields of grass and lilies, like like uh, like sunflowers. You know, like those, those uh, movies where you watch and you're like, ah, you know, you're like running and you're like almost like floating on clouds of like, flowers running to your loved one it's like feels like that yeah and it's it's ridiculously hot all the time and every once in a while this mist and this water will come across and new life will come and this is what isaiah is saying isaiah is saying there's there's gonna be life in dead places amen is that good that's a good word right there okay life in dead places if you're taking notes that's a good one amen denise that's a good one Okay? All right. So, um, he continues, verse 20. Wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, uh, who I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, to the people whom I have formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Yeah? I love that song that we sang tonight. It was a little bit new one, but we were created to praise him. Amen? Not only praise in like high energy songs, but praise in like 
these uh, songs where we just kind of linger for a moment and just sing, God, you are worthy and you are holy. Yeah, get used to it. Get used to it because when this life ends, we go to heaven and we get to do a whole lot of it. Amen? All of us have fun like worshiping at different times. Shaka, like one of the highlights, right, of like moments in life where you just like in God's glory and you're like, yeah, it really can't get any better than this. But it will get better. Amen? It will get better. The angels are already doing it, and I'm excited to join them in praise. But who are the people? Somebody answer this question for me. Who are the people who are praising him in this book of Isaiah? What does Isaiah say? Who? The chosen ones, right? The chosen ones whom he had formed for himself. He created a choir of worshipers. Yeah? He created a people of not problems. Yeah? Not a people of just promises, empty promises, but he created a people for himself. People of praise. Amen? That's a great little like uh, a banner for your own life. Yeah? That God has created us for, for praise. Yeah? He's created us for worship. Verse 22. Yet you did not call upon me so so the isaiah is going to shift a little bit okay so god just says what he's going to do the old things have passed and new things have come he's doing a new thing okay and isaiah is going to shift a little bit and he's going to start talking about the nation of israel okay verse 22 yet you did not call upon me but you have been weary of me O israel you have not uh, brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. You have not um, bought me a sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices, but you have instead burdened me with your sins and you have wearied me with your iniquities. Does that sound like our lives sometimes? Amen. Like, so there's, there's some language in there that, that you may not understand, but pretty much they're not bringing God his, their best. They're not even bringing God anything. Not only are they not bringing God their best, neither bringing God much, the very thing that they are giving God is dishonor, disobedience, and sinfulness. Some of us feel like that sometimes, right? And who are these people? Who are we talking about? The nation of Israel, right? God's chosen people. These are not the, the, the godless people of the land. This is God's chosen people. If Isaiah was writing this letter today, he would be writing it to the church. He would be writing it to the, the people who call themselves Christians. And of us feel like this sometimes? Where we really love God and yet we don't bring God our best. We actually maybe don't bring God much. And the very things we do bring God is actually the worst parts of us. Yeah? And yet God said he formed us, he chose us, and he's doing a, a new thing. So Isaiah is going to shift again, okay? So verse 25. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not redeem your sins Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be proved right. 
Your first father sinned and your mediators transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes and sanctuary and deliver Jacob to utter destruction and Israel to reveling. Uh, Chapter 44, verse 1. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the, the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by the flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his head the Lord's and the name himself by the name of of Israel. So pretty much, I, I love the verse that, um, go, go to uh, verse 25, yeah? The Lord says, I, will, I am he who blots out your transgressions or your sins for whose sake? For whose sake? For his sake, amen? And I will not remember your sins any longer. Why do you think God will not remember our sins any longer? For our sake? Why is he blotting out our uh, so, so when you say blot out, it's like white out, yeah? Like God's getting white out, and he's whiting out the sins in our life. All the times we error, this is a great analogy of sin, okay? So sin is like missing the mark, right? Or you're writing this paper, and you just misspell a word. It's not that the essay is bad, but you misspell a word. You, you forget to put a punctuation, and then you hand it to the teacher. And what does the teacher do? Busts out the red pen, and we get the red pen teachers, right? And there's like... Eh, 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 eh. and then you get it back and you think that you wrote your essay in red pen anybody get those i used to get those in high school like there's more red ink on here than black ink yeah and um and jesus takes to that red ink white out the sins in our lives and why do you think he does that yeah not only because he chose us and formed us but he loves us, and he wants to have relationship with us. Amen? And not only is God forgiving us of our sins and remembering it no more. Yeah? Look at verse 3. Uh, the second half. He says, I will pour my spirit upon for them, their offspring. Not only for them in that time, but their descendants, the, the future lineage and ultimately, who is God's spirit going to be poured out on? Hundreds of years later, after this is written, Jesus. And after Jesus finishes his term, who is God going to pour his spirit out on? After Jesus dies, comes back to life, is, ascends to heaven, spirit gets poured out on the earth like it never been like it had never been poured out before and who is the spirit poured out onto come on come on yeah the church yeah this prophecy that Isaiah is speaking yeah comes into fulfillment years after okay so let's turn to that uh, passage so uh, Acts chapter 4, yeah, New Testament. 
No, not chapter 4? Chapter 4? No, chapter 2. Sorry, my bad. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Is that what I, that's what I wrote down, right? Yeah, chapter 2, verse 17. Okay. So, um, uh, uh, Isaiah's counterpart, Joel, okay, as you guys turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 17 and following, um, a, a counterpart, a, a predecessor to Isaiah the prophet was the prophet Joel. And Joel spoke of a similar prophecy that God's going to do a new thing and God's going to pour out his spirit. And, and this is what we're reading right now. So God's spirit gets poured out. Okay, we're going to read this right now on, on God's people. And after God pours out his spirit, um, we're actually going to go from, from verse 1, yeah? To verse 1, Blair. <laughs> okay. You guys ready? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to get to 17 also, but... Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. Okay? All right, so we know what the context is. So the context is Jesus uh, just went to the cross, died, went to the grave, three days later came back to life, hung out for like 40 days, 50 days, taught about the kingdom of God. Jesus ascends to heaven, sends the people to get... uh, into the upper room where he was going to meet with them and pour out his spirit on them. And this is kind of what we're talking about. This is uh, what people will refer to as the birth of the church. Okay? All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. You guys hear, hearing what's happening? The spirit shows up and what does it look like? Fire. Tongues of fire. Like, you know, when you see fire flames that come up, like, so there's, you like you guys uh, watch those cartoons, I'm like, oh, I got an idea, idea, bing, and the light bulb comes on. It's like that, but like a little flame, Okay. Um, so verse 2 and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues some versions translate that as languages as the Spirit gave them utterance verse 5 now there were dwelling uh, in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. So the Spirit of God shows up. These people start speaking utterances and out from the chaos of what is happening, people start coming out of their homes and shows up outside of this upper room and the 120 start pouring out of the upper room and speaking in different languages. And the people on the outside are like, 
how is it that these people who are Galileans and they don't understand my language are speaking my language? So in, into the midst of that, some people are like, bro, these guys are drunk. Peter stands up and he preaches the first sermon. I'm just going to read you his opening scripture. So Isaiah chapter 2, verse 17. He goes to the prophet Joel and he says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And this is your part right here, okay? And your sons and your daughters shall, what? Prophesy, okay? Your young men shall see, what? Visions, that's prophesy and visions are definitely underliners. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall also prophesy. Verse 19. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? So at the birth of the church, so Jesus leaves, he sends his spirit the church is born, yeah? And Jesus births and blesses the, the church right out of the gate with redeeming speech. Yeah, Scripture says that from the overflow of our hearts we speak, amen? And so Jesus redeems the heart and he releases his spirit. And what does it look like? Or what does it sound like? It looks like a people who speak, and when they speak, they speak words of God and words of life. Amen? And, and I love what we just talked about before. Like, these people were gathered. They weren't really doing anything special. You read back to Isaiah, right, where, what we just were reading. God was doing a new thing to who? People who were chosen, but they rejected God. They, God, God formed them and loved them, but they rather chase after other things rather than chase after God. God would bless them and rather than returning to God blessing, they returned God shame and guilt and sin. But even in their disobedience, God was committed. Amen? Even in their sin, God was loving and kind and gracious and merciful. And ultimately, what many of us experienced this week at camp was God was forgiving. And not only was he forgiving, God went further than just cleaning people off. He equipped people. Sorry. Amen? That's why I'm like further away from you, okay? Not only was God forgiving of us, leaving us clean, right? So, so you get the whiteboard, right? So on the whiteboard, you have like just a mess, right? Of scribbles of your sin and your lies and your guilt and your disobedience. When you go to camp and you have the high and then you leave camp and immediately, boom, right back into your sinful life. All those things of your life marked on this board. All the things of our lives that separate us from God. And while you're still in it, God says, I'm going to do a new thing. Amen? 
God's going to say, I'm going to do a new thing. The old things have passed already. Yeah, we don't have to talk about those things anymore. And God grabs the eraser and goes, and that board is brand new like nobody had ever even written on it anymore. And onto that whiteboard, yeah, I feel like this is what, like a little image of what God has for us today. Many of us uh, recently with, with, the, with Christmas and New Year and, and the camp, like I feel like God is, is renewing in us a fresh spirit, amen? He's wiping the, the, the slate clean, amen? He say, hey, I'm pressing the restart button, brand new start, yeah? I remember that old school um, Contra game. Anyone play Contra? Nintendo is way before your guys' time, okay? Some of you guys. And you could do the up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, and get 30 lives, okay? It's like that. It's like restart to the beginning, and you get 30 lives. And you get to start all over again with the spray gun. And he goes, you know? <laughs> so you guys are like, what? What are you talking about, spray gun? You know? All those who are like Nintendo first generation are like, got love for you, Pastor. Okay? And while people were still in their disobedience, hey, you guys got to get this. Not while you were worthy because of your choices, but while you were worthy because of him forming you, God said, I'm going to do a new thing. He cleans the slate and onto the slate, rather than writing something, God pours out his paint and it looks like the spirit of God And the result of that looks like a redeemed heart and a redeemed tongue. So when people start speaking, yeah, not only were they speaking various languages, but they were speaking blessing. And blessings of faith, which sometimes is different than what is seen. Because hear what I'm saying? Like if if uh, uh, like say I chose Denisha and I'm like Denisha you have great long beautiful hair is that prophetic why isn't that prophetic because I can see that you know what I mean like when God poured out his spirit and people started speaking into other people's lives in their own language one hey one write this down one they could understand how awesome is that Two, it was of God. And three, people were encouraged. By the end of this message, 3,000 people received the Lord. Cool? That's real rad. And so to you today, yeah, and, and this goes for all of us in here because nobody's new, yeah? And, and I know every one of you and I know God has redeemed you and redeemed your heart. Yeah? I want to tell you that it's for a purpose. God has redeemed you for a purpose and God wants to pour his spirit out on you and some of you guys already have the spirit of God on you but many of us aren't practicing this, you know? And maybe it's just a fault on us for not, or on me, for, for not giving us opportunities. I think you guys have seen that before. You guys have seen it before. Um, I'm not sure. Who, who was in Blair's cabin? 
Yeah, those who were in Blair's cabin um, this last camp, I think some of you guys already experienced this in the form of a written letter. I think some of you guys got, yeah, handwritten letters. That's prophetic. Yeah, your leaders hung out with you and then they spoke into your life words that they saw and some of what they don't see. Yeah? So, one last verse, and then I actually want to practice some of this. So turn back to Matthew chapter um, 4, I think. Chapter 3. Sorry. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Um, this is the story of Jesus' baptism. Amen? Okay, you guys there? Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Um, Jesus just gets baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. As he's coming out of the water, I guess I'll back up a little bit from 16. It says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And then we come to verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is a great verse right here. Okay? And I'm going to tell you why. Um, in, uh, you can go on YouTube, and uh, I don't want you to search, but there's like... Um, in Europe, documented a video of these um, trumpet sounds in the skies. Anybody seen that before? Uh, try to go look it up later on tonight. It's crazy. So in, 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 in Revelation, it talks about these trumpets that are going to be sounded before Jesus comes. And these guys are like, you know how uh, on the first business day of the month, we have that, those sirens that go on? It's kind of like that. But it's not the first of the month, and it doesn't sound like sirens. It seriously sounds like these um, war horns in the heavens, and people are like videoing the skies, like, "Rah, where is that coming from?" And like, it's, it's happened in like numerous places. But anyway, it's kind of like this. So they, they, they're in. Jesus gets baptized by John. Jesus comes out of the water, and he says, immediately the skies open up, and a voice from heaven says, "This is my Son, whom I am well pleased." like an audible voice from heaven communicating yeah, to those around that Jesus is the Son of God and God is pleased with him. My question to you is, why is that significant? Let's do some soul pray now. Yeah? This is our scripture. We're making observations okay, before we make the application. So an observation, so a question. Why is that significant? Somebody give me, give me a feedback. Why is this statement from heaven, from God to his son significant? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Huh? Okay. Gives Jesus some, some identity. Okay. Okay. What else? What is that? Okay. Significant that, yeah, God, God speaks. Amen. 
and that's, yeah, super rad. I actually didn't think about that, but that's actually super rad that God speaks and we can hear what he's speaking and he's speaking words of love. Good. Okay, yeah, maybe, well, it was early in his, his ministry hadn't started yet, so he didn't really start proclaiming, but yeah, that would be an evidence, right? Evidence that he actually was the son of God. Kepa? Okay, so God said that he's well pleased. What do you mean by that? Because that's just stated. It, it has everything to do with that, but so God says, I'm pleased with you and you're my son. Why is that significant? It shows favor. Good, Timmy. Okay, yeah, great, great. Yeah, kind of evidence of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son, evidence of the, yeah, that God and Jesus are not the same, you know? Okay, so here's my take. This is, Jesus had yet to do any miracles. Hey, listen to me. Jesus, at this moment, didn't do a single thing outside of get born and grow in favor of man and the Lord. Pre-miracles, pre-sermons, pre-majesty. And God says, you please me. Amen? A lot of us feel like we have to live a certain standard before we please others. I mean, that's how the world works. I mean... It just makes sense, right? In the world, like, if you mistreat me all the time, how am I going to be pleased with you? It's just, is almost impossible to do. But get this, pre any miracle, pre all of his ministries, pre any sermon, God says, Jesus, as you are now, I love you. You're my beloved son, and I am 100% pleased in you. Right? And it gives Jesus just the freedom that he needs. Amen? Just the freedom that he needs to minister because God was already pleased with him pre-obedience, pre-miracles. Okay? Um, so I want to say tonight, um, as, as we wrap up tonight, that God loves you guys just as you are. And praise God that he loves you enough not to leave you just as you are. Amen? That's a good word for you guys. Okay? It's a good word. Yeah, God loves you just as you are, but he's not going to leave you just as you are. Yeah, because sons can become princes, princes can become kings, amen? Yeah, I love it. This last Sunday we went, um, some of us went down to Living Way, and Pastor Josh um, Lockhart got ordained as like an official pastor in their church, and I love it. Like I look at Josh's life, and there's mass evidence of his faithfulness, and the, and the church really honored him and spoke some great life into him you know um, so when we're talking about prophecy and speaking life to others we're following the, the example that our father gave when we listen to God and we give words of wisdom to other people it, it may have sometimes evidence of the existing and sometimes it may not sometimes it can have evidence of the existing because sometimes I see it and they don't see it you know like say I'm uh, 
like with Ethan tonight. Okay, so for example, Ethan's leading in praise and worship. And Ethan lives with himself 24-7, amen? I pray for Ethan. He lives with himself all the time. Okay? And Ethan is so um, aware of or, 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 or used to himself that he sings, you know, say he, he's, he sings on his own, he plays on his own, and, and he worships when he's up here. Um, he may not know how God has created him as a worship leader, you know? So here's Anna sitting here being led by him, and she's like, I'm around worship leaders all the time. And she's able to see something in Ethan that is different than other worship leaders that although it's present, maybe Ethan might not see. You guys following me? So sometimes it's, it's part evidence. Sometimes it's just like totally random, yeah? And sometimes it's totally in a different language, you know, like this one time, um, and I don't want to go too long, but uh, this, this one time uh, there's, uh, there's this, this church who um, uh, there was a, a prophetic message given and it was in a different language and then somebody interpreted it for them, right? So like I, I said it and said it in a different language and then somebody like said like this is what the message is and then another person in the, uh, in the church, in the crowd stood up and said, um, I don't want to be like a heretic, but what you just interpreted is totally wrong because I speak Portuguese and that was all Portuguese. How rad is that? Like in the person, so the person who gave the word just spoke it correctly, but in Portuguese, which isn't their language. And then somebody else interpreted it for them. Like, like say like me to you, Tati. So I, I give it to you. And it's not even in, it's like Hawaiian. I don't really speak Hawaiian, you know? Little understand Hawaiian. And somebody says like, oh, this is what Pastor Kaipo said. But they don't really speak Hawaiian either. And then somebody in the crowd stands up, it's like, oh, I actually speak fluent Hawaiian. And I know exactly what that message was. And then they were able to interpret. So sometimes it's totally random, right? Like never, you don't even know who the person is. And God gives you a word and you just say, here, this is super red. Anyway, so I want to...